Hello, and welcome to the Still To Be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm Matthew's older brother. I'm a writer, and I'll be asking the questions. And with me is Matthew. Hello, everybody. Matthew seems to have just recovered from a (laughs) fit of laughter. So I think we're ready to talk about today's episode, which is the most recent episode from his YouTube channel, Best Smart Home Tech 2020 for safety, security, and health. And Matt, you've done episodes like this before where it's kind of the smorgasbord of items. Instead of doing a deep dive into one thing, I'll just kind of bounce around according to things I thought about as I watched the episode and things I thought about as I read the comments. Mm -hmm. And the comments, I think, are a good place to start. There's first a lot of your comments were simply like, keep up the good work. (laughs) <laughs> which I think is a great way to for you to be finishing 2020. Uh, yeah. you know, you've, you've worked very hard on the channel and, and huzzah, keep up the good work. But there was also a lot of people jumping on one of your items that you mentioned, which mm-hmm. was an electric lawnmower mm-hmm. and apparently a whole line of electric lawn devices, including a snowblower. Yes. That blows my mind, given the weight of snow. A snowblower blew your mind? A snowblower blew my mind. I remember (laughs) the little Toro snowblower that we had. Yeah, (laughs) that thing's awful. (laughs) When we were growing up. And uh, it was a a spinning paddle. Yeah, (laughs) my my memory may be faulty, but if if memory serves, it was approximately three inches wide. It felt that way. And yes. so like doing, <laughs> doing our 75 foot driveway took mm, I think it was usually three days. Yes. Um, <laughs> and given that we grew up in Rochester, home of the snow, it could start snowing with a clear sky. <laughs> and then <laughs> before you knew it, you'd have like, we suddenly have eight extra inches of snow everywhere. Where did this come from? It didn't even get cloudy. I don't remember if you remember, but there was this one year where we had three feet, three and a half feet of snow that fell. Yeah. And I remember, I remember the garage door going up and it was just like snow, snow, snow. And the garage door went all the way up and it was just like, oh no, this ain't happening. This ain't, ha- you couldn't even see the street. Like there was just mm-hmm. like <laughs> from door to door, three feet of snow. Yeah. And in snowstorms like that, including the major ice storm of, was it 1990 or 91? Our family's first response is of course, get in the car and drive around. Let's look at it. Uh, <laughs> Not not the best approach, but no, I was very surprised to see that a snowblower was an electric option because in my mind, the the weight of the snow seemed like it should be too much for an electric motor. But obviously those days are behind us. Electric motors are all torque. So it's like that's what you need to like. Is that what your tattoo says? Yeah. Electric motors are all torque. And I says I'm all torque. Um, The. Snow electric snowblowers, the biggest downside to them is not necessarily can they throw the snow, but like how long can they throw the snow? Yeah. Because if the harder it has to work, the faster it will draw those batteries down. In my, it's in like, my mind now, I envision you going out and starting a snowblower and going, well, it needs to be recharged. Exactly. So it's like, I've looked at the electric snowblowers in the past, but most of them are single stage snowblowers, which is like that Toro where it's basically just uh, the blade or the auger is what's actually cutting through the snow and throwing it versus a two stage, which has the auger plus something that hurls the snow out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
a single stage for my situation is a non-starter. And there was only one two stage blower that I found on the market and it didn't have consistently good reviews and it didn't look like it would be able to handle what we had. This is the first one I've seen, this one that Ego came out with this year that I think can handle it. So I thought I would, you know, take one for the team (laughs) and pick one up to try it out to see if it actually can handle the snow. But if we have a winter like we did last year, uh, here in Boston, we didn't actually have a hard winter last year. It was actually no, really light. warming is, yeah, it's, it's having an effect. Yeah. So I'm curious to see if we have a decent, like normal winter this year yeah. to actually give this thing, put it through its paces. Here in New York last year, we had one snowfall and <laughs> the year before yeah. that, I think we had two and New York city has actually been moved to, uh, the subtropical zone. The subtropical zone has, has effectively been re, has been moved due to global warming. So New yeah. York's in what's considered subtropical. So it, we we actually had about four and a half inches of snow like a month ago, right? And when that happened on the local news, the guy was saying this is actually more snow than we had combined in the beginning of the year. So in right. 2020, from January through the rest of this you know, winter yeah. here in Boston, we had less than four inches of snow, right? which is really unusual. And it was really funny that we had one early snowfall that was more than yeah. that entire <laughs> half of the winter season. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. So the company is Ego. And I saw also in the comments, there were a lot of people who were saying they have other Ego products. Somebody mentioned that they have mm-hmm. the chainsaw and it just seems like this company has really they're the Toro yeah. of electric yard care. Um, are there any other items that you were thinking about picking up from them other than the snowblower? I did mention in the, I did notice the comment you, you said to the guy who said, I've got the chainsaw. You were like, do you like it? I'm thinking of picking one up. Yeah, no, I've, I've, that's the next one I've been looking at because there's a couple of trees I want to cut down. and I On your neighbor's yard? Yeah, I'm yeah. going to climb over the fence and come. He won't notice. Yeah. Um, I have a plug-in um, chainsaw right. that... Oh, every time I've used it, I feel like I'm going to electrocute myself. Yeah. <laughs> like accidentally <laughs> cut right through the core. So it's like, I'd rather have one that's not tethered to the house. Yeah. Um, Cause I have to get, you know, 50 feet away from the house to cut down these trees. And it's like, I'd rather not have like a hundred foot extension cord. Right. Right into the house. So I've been looking at that and eyeballing it, thinking of picking one up, but I have edge trimmer. I have the lawnmower. I have their blower. And now I have this snowblower. It's, they're such, they're really, really good. I, I just love them all. And what's the price point on those? Are they comparable to gas? Uh, they're a little more expensive. Like the blower, you can pick up the lower end blower for maybe a hundred, 150 bucks. Um, the edge trimmer, I think is about a hundred bucks. The lawnmowers range from, you know, 350 all the way up to like 750, depending on which one you get. The snowblower was very expensive. It was like $1,200. My Arian's snowblower that I'm replacing, I think I paid 800 for. Mm. So it's it's definitely pricier than some of the stuff is definitely pricier. But in the long run, it's like I'm not replacing oil every year in these things. I'm not having to put gasoline in it or change spark plugs out. Mm-hmm. So it's like the maintenance is pretty much non-existent. So it's like in the long run, it's it's kind of a wash. And what's the longevity of the product? Do they do they tend to last longer? Like you mentioned, there's less of that wear and tear <laughs> from oil. So does an electric lawnmower last longer? I don't know about that. Because like if you take care of your lawnmower, it can last for a very long time. Yeah. But um, 
I think dad and his lawnmower just celebrated their 30th anniversary. <laughs> I think they did. That Toro snowblower you brought up, we had that thing forever. Yeah, that it, limped thing. Al- it limped along for a <laughs> yeah. long time. Yes. It was, it was one of those things that I would be using and I would think, won't you just die? Won't you just die? Beyond how long they last, it's also kind of quality of use. What's the quality of using it? Yeah. These are so much quieter. Like, I don't know if you can hear it right now in the background. Somebody is blowing leaves out of their yard with a gasoline blower. You probably can hear the f- a faint going on right now. It's like, they're so loud. And right. then the blower I've got from Ego is like a fraction of that. Right. Like you can mow the yard with, you know, headphones in and actually listen to a podcast and not be drowned out. And I'm really excited to try the snowblower, which is going to be dramatically quieter than mm-hmm. the Arian's gas blower that I've got right now. One of your commenters also mentioned that he was curious about the mower options and there was a tractor that he was looking at, a tractor mower. There, there, I, I, I actually watched some video reviews of some of these larger, I think it's made by Ryobi, um, this big, you know, tractor mower and it looks, it's like really expensive, but it, it, it looked like the Tesla of rider mowers. <laughs> like it, mm. it looked like it would probably be a, it looked like it would be a blast to, to drive. Mm. Like it looked like a lot of fun, but I, I can't imagine spending that amount of money on a electric rider mower because yeah. those are dramatically more expensive than a gasoline counterpart. And as far as mowers go, I know I've told this story on the podcast before, but I'll tell it again now because it's so apropos. Our grandfather had an electric mower. <laughs> but his my mind. Was, I did not know that. Yeah, but it was back in the 1980s. Our grandfather had an electric mower, probably for cost saving. He probably figured, you know, pennies for electricity as opposed to dollars for gasoline. It was as simple mm-hmm. as that for him. Our grandfather was not a man who was probably aware of environmental issues, but he certainly was aware of, of saving the penny, saving a dollar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or a penny. So he had an electric mower and they had a very small yard. So his very small mower made sense on this very small yard, but it was an electric mower that was powered by a cord as Matthew talked about. And apparently there were more than one occasion where he would mow over his own power cord and the mower would just suddenly stop. Yeah. And I used the mower once and it was what stunned me about it was how light it weight it was. It was, yeah. it felt like I was pushing a toy. These things have been around for a long time. So that's a long time for things to be improved and refined. And as surprised as I am to think about like a snowblower, it's sort of, oh, of course. Yeah. Of course these things exist. At this point now, I've replaced every gasoline thing mm-hmm. that I own and I've transitioned everything over to battery and electric except for my wife's car. <laughs> that's, that's the last gasoline object we have in our house. The other items you talk about in this episode, I wanted to kind of take it a different approach to them instead of talking about them specifically. I wanted to take your big three, safety, security, and health, and mm-hmm. wrap it up with the holiday gift-giving season. If mm-hmm. you were to get any one of these items for somebody, which of these items would it be? What would you gift somebody? I, it's a tough one. It depends on the person. But like if if we use an example like mom and dad, like if I was going to get them something that was a smart home kind of a thing, right? it would probably fall into one of two sides. It would be like get them a smart thermostat system like the Ecobee and right. set that up in their home. And it would not only save them money over the you know long run, but it would also 
hopefully make them more comfortable in the house because it's doing a better job of balancing temperatures throughout the house because it it can look at the temperatures everywhere instead of just the temperature at the location of the thermostat on the wall. Right. That would probably be one of the things I would start at for them. The second thing would probably be security. It would be maybe getting some security cameras that we could set up around their house. It would offer them security. It would also give us as their children a way to be able to not keep tabs on our parents, but our parents are older. They're in their seventies. And it's like, it would be nice to be able to their driveway that we've talked about before, which is like a steep <laughs> hill <Yeah. laughs> in the middle of a, uh, upstate New York winter. It's like, it'd be nice to be able to check in and see what it actually looks like outside their house and kind of keep tabs on them to make sure that nothing's going wrong. And if something did go wrong, we could very easily remotely kind of remote in and see what's happening. Right. Um, that, to me, would probably be the second thing I'd be looking at, something like that. You mentioned those two things from the perspective of our parents and mm-hmm. maybe other people with a generation of, of people who may be excited about the idea of what technology can do, but a little bit hesitant to actually interact with technology itself. Right. Um, and maybe not up to speed on how to do that. I think that those two things, as you describe them, would would be... Once it's installed, they don't really have to do much with it. It should right. operate largely on its own and maybe it's in the background for them. But is there a gift that you would give to somebody who is a little more aggressive in being able to attack a tech installation and maintenance? Is there a different uh, type of gift that you would give somebody else? Oh, somebody who's more technically inclined? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Um, it would probably be more, more along the lines of uh, like smart voice assistants, like getting them home pods or, you know, Amazon Alexa speakers and then, you know, getting them some kind of uh, smart hub system that they could actually start to kind of like set up a broader system for mm-hmm. themselves. Right. So that you could turn the TV on and off through a voice command or, you know, lock the doors, you know, put the house into, you know, we're going to sleep and then the house just locks itself up. And turns off lights and stuff like that. It's like I'd probably start to go down more of that path of getting them something that would help them really start to deck out their house and their smart home. Basically get them the brain of what they would use for setting that all up. Right. And what would you suggest as the least intrusive smart home gift? The thing that would be like a little <laughs> yeah. doodad you could just put on your kitchen counter and you'd be like, it's there. You don't have to, you know, it's not going to, disrupt much but it you'll, it will be useful it would be something like an alexa or a google home or something like that google home hub um the ones that have the screens are awesome it's like i have a small one downstairs and i have the larger version the google home hub max or whatever it's called um it's in the kitchen i can't tell you how awesome it is having a smart voice assistant device with a screen on it in like a kitchen it is just amazing it's like you're going to do the dishes you can say play the news and it just starts showing you news clips from your local news. Like I watch my local CBS news. It will show the the highlights, which will give me the weather, some of the highlights of what's been going on over the day. And then it will start to play. I have it playing uh, BBC international news and like it starts to give me broader news around the world. And so it's like, as I'm doing the dishes right there, it's like, I can listen to the news, look over and see some of the reports that are going on getting, you know, cooking instructions, not just said to you, but you can actually see the, the cooking instructions on the screen. It's like that thing for a single device that I get so much use out of every single day. 
one of those is to like pop it in, plug it in, set it up, and it just sits in the corner of your kitchen and you get so much use out of it. Of your three categories, the final one was health. And I'm wondering what is the sort of gift that you would give around health? Would it be something like an Apple Watch? My go-to would be the Apple Watch, 100%. That, that thing, the most recent version they just announced, it's like it's not a revolutionary change from the previous one, but it's like that thing is getting so good and the price point of it is not that crazy expensive anymore. Um, the base model, you can get you can get one for, you know, I think it's 150 bucks, 200 bucks now at most. What it does, it's like, I would love to, <laughs> I would want to get one of these for, for mom and dad, <laughs> but... <laughs> The fact that they are the people that turn off their phones. Right. Yeah. When they're not using them. <laughs> You'd be like, do you have your Apple watch? And they'd be like, yeah, we turned them off and we put them on the kitchen counter so that when we go out, we'll take them. Mom and dad are not the kind of people that would reliably charge those things up. And so it's like, if you, that's the only reason I would hesitate getting them one. But there are lots of people that will get a cellular version of the Apple watch for an elderly parent. Mm-hmm. And they don't even need to have a phone. It's like, because the way that it works is that Apple has set it up so that you can set up the device for a child or a, an elderly parent, and then you give it to them and they wear it. And all they have to do is charge it up. And because you've set it up basically remotely for, as a third party for somebody else, it still works and does everything it's supposed to do. So it's like, it detects falls, it detects your heart rate, it gives you alerts if something's wrong, it gives you a quick SOS, so if somebody fell down, the, I've fallen and I can't get up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it literally will dial 911 for you if it detects that you're not moving after that fall. So it's, that to me is like the go-to recommendation. After that, it would be kind of like what I brought up in the video, which is the quality air quality for me is the the big one it's like yeah. that dyson is amazing it's like it's it's a self-contained smart device so you just plug it in you set it up and then it just takes care of itself it'll it'll ramp up the speed if it detects you know particulates in the air if it's unhealthy air it'll just kind of ramp itself up and down and it doubles as a fan so in the hot summer day you can kick on the the fan and it'll blow air around the room and it feels good so it's like it's it's a really wonderful device for the house to make your home healthier to live in. So th- those would be my two big recommendations. Yeah. And I, and I brought up in the video that I've, I've tried <laughs> so many of these things and I, there's, there's many I could recommend for air filters. There's a lot of really good ones. I'm still using some of the good ones in addition to the Dyson, but the Dyson, while it's definitely one of the more pricey ones that you can get, I am the most impressed by that one. And it's probably because it's not a unitasker. Right. It because it doubles as a fan and it has those built in smarts for ramping things up and down. And you have you can use your phone to control it remotely or set up schedules and things like that. So it's like it's the most well-rounded, best user experience and a really good quality air filter on top of that. So it's for me, it's worth the extra money to recommend the Dyson. But there are cheaper options if all you care about is just filter some air, period, nothing else. Mm-hmm. But Dyson for me is the the big recommendation. They did not sponsor this. No. (laughs) So moving on to the second half of our show, as we usually do, we we share some things that we've been watching and make recommendations about programs to help decompress the compressed. And we're all pretty compressed right now. I'd like to start out with two quick recommendations. And for the third week in a row, we're going to talk about The Mandalorian. 
I'm going to make this very, very, very brief. But you can if tell we you like the show. <laughs> have Disney Plus, watch this show. If you love Star Wars and do not have Disney Plus, pay Get for it. Disney Plus. <laughs> it is worth paying for for this show alone. You do not yes. have to watch anything else. I just recently had my Disney Plus subscription auto renewed for the year. I saw the charge pop up and I thought, oh yeah, that's a little pricier than I remembered. But that's fine because I'm watching The Mandalorian. Yep. <laughs> the most recent episode, which has oh boy. now pulled in a character <laughs> who I love from the Clone Wars cartoon. She yes. stood out as the heart and soul of that show. And it was unfortunate that in the story arc of the Clone Wars cartoon, I think it took them a little while to realize that she was the heart and soul. I think they mm -hmm. recognized it about halfway through and then really started to focus in on her as the main character and the way that her character as that show developed played off against Anakin in particular and the Jedi council in general was beautifully done. The final season, which was done just recently to really wrap things up, but yeah. now they've pulled this character Ahsoka forward into the Mandalorian played by Rosaria Dawson. And she is such a good actor to begin with, but I don't know if you picked up on it after we watched it, we couldn't help but talk about, she must have studied the character in the animated series because yes. there were moments where she was able to mimic. Yes. Animated facial. Yes. Ticks. Like, yes, she had expressions and I was just like, she's copying a cartoon. Yes. And doing it beautifully. It was yeah. remarkable. And the depiction of who she has become as an adult, as now a, at this point, she would be basically a middle-aged woman who had left the Jedi Order, but is still out there doing what she's doing. What I thought was so genius was she left the Jedi Order. Mm -hmm. She is like a samurai without a master. She is yes. a ronin. Yes. She is a ronin. And the entire theme of that episode was clearly a samurai film. Yes. I mean, it was heavily samurai film. And I thought it's a little on the nose, but it's so perfect. Yes. It was just, here's this wandering ronin Jedi yes. in this samurai motif. And it was just... Oh my literally God. outside, like, literally outside what looks like a samurai fortress where the townspeople are being held captive. The story element that I did not expect, I knew she was going to be in the story, but the story element I did not expect, and I am about to give a spoiler. So if anybody is not interested in spoilers, skip ahead by two minutes. When it turned out that she was looking for information about Admiral Thrawn, yes. I nearly passed out. Yes. It was... That is a character who was introduced in the very first post-Return of the Jedi novels. The main threat was Admiral Thrawn. And Admiral Thrawn was involved in a plot to use cloning technology to bring back the Emperor. This is now building the direct bridge between Return of the Jedi, Episode 6, and Episode 7. This is, they are now putting story elements in place to say, how did we get to that point? The First Order doesn't yet exist that we are aware of. We have seen one Imperial 
officer who's a big bad and he has the dark saber, which was another element that was pulled from the Clone Wars. And now they're referencing Admiral Thrawn, who is a major character and villain at the end of the series Rebels, was done away with in a way to make him simply disappear. So in Rebels, they built in a why was Admiral Thrawn not around for episodes four, five and six? They created a he was disappeared due to a hyperlight drive accident. But now he's back, apparently. So pulling all these things together in this way is making me so high on Star Wars right now. I will say, though, that my only concern is this show is bumping up against all the lore and the myths and the legends and the like the storylines and the machinations that are deep, deep in Star Trek nerddom and Star Wars nerddom. Star Wars nerddom. Yeah. Let's not confuse those two shows. Uh, my wife and I watched this show together and I am like you, like I am in it to win it with that show right now. Um, my wife, on the other hand, she's just kind of like, eh, show's okay. And it's right. uh, Ahsoka Tano shows up and I'm like, yes, thank you. And she's like, okay, that's, that's not bad. Right. <laughs> so it's like, I just want, I just worry that the show may be playing too much into fandom. And if they are going to, since they are building this out and they're giving it some more weight in the greater Star Wars universe, I just worry that they potentially alienate more casual fans of Star Wars because it becomes so dense with characters that you're like, wait, who's who's doing what? What's this mean? I would like to think that they are being careful about it, but I do understand exactly what you're saying because if they do alienate a wider audience, uh, they're going to be drilling too deep into one particular mm-hmm. core group and that's not going to benefit the show. No. That's but I also did like the fact that, and another spoiler, so if you don't want to hear any, another spoiler, <laughs> jump forward 60 seconds. Uh, we learned Baby Yoda's name is Gragu. Gragu. And Gragu. every time the Mandalorian says Gragu, Baby Yoda goes, huh? Yeah. So Which cute. I thought was the most adorable thing, the most adorable interaction they could have had. So the other thing I wanted to mention is a movie that is available on Hulu, and it is called The Happiest Season. And it is directed, it was written and directed by Clea Duvall. And Clea Duvall is a, she started off as an actress. She started off way back with the movie The Faculty, which was a horror movie about teachers in a school starting to go weird and due to an alien infection of some sort and mm-hmm. trying to kill the students. Um she was in that and then she was in ER for a while, I believe, and, and TV and movies for, for a long time now. And she has, in recent years, been doing more writing and directing. And she had a movie that we also watched called The Intervention, which was the story of a group of friends who are going to get together. And one of the couples in this group of friends doesn't realize that this is actually an intervention on their marriage all of their friends are coming together to say, you should not be a couple. This movie, Happiest Season, is the one I wanted to talk about in particular because it's a holiday film. And I think it does a really great job as a holiday film. And it's a holiday film in the vein of Home for the Holidays or The Ref. It's got a darker edge to it. There's humor in it, but it's a darker humor and it's about discomfort and For me, the movie was really about the juxtaposition of the drive to be with family and the terror of spending any time with family. 
and the tightrope that you walk between those two things. These are the people who know you the best because they know you the best of the people who have the most power over you. And that scares you in some ways. And this storyline is around Mackenzie Davis's character who is in a relationship with Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis has not come out to her family yet. And she's terrified of doing so. And in a moment of exuberance with her girlfriend, Kristen Stewart's character, whose name is Abby, she invites Abby back to her home for Christmas. And Abby's family is no longer around. Her parents died when she was younger. And so she doesn't have a family to go spend the holidays with. And she reluctantly does go. But it's on the way there that Harper reveals, you're going to have to pretend we're just roommates. And so is a story about their relationship being closeted for the holidays. And due to the strength of their relationship, Abby is willing to try to do this. But then the pressures become harder and harder as they are there for the holidays. And like I said, it's full of dark comedy. So there's a number of, of story elements which are meant to lighten the mood. Like one of the characters goes Christmas shopping with uh, two a niece and a nephew and the niece and the nephew plant a jewelry piece in the person's bag and she gets arrested for shoplifting things like that that are, are the meant to lighten the mood but overall the storyline is a really subtle rendering of a number of characters backstories mm-hmm. while focusing on the present and it doesn't hit you over the head with it really doesn't feel like it's hitting you over the head with anything. You are just invested in the relationship between two people as it is slowly unwinding and raveling because one of them is so terrified of disappointing her family. Right. And the fa- the cast is is terrific. It's Kristen Stewart who I always like. She's you know she she blew up because of Twilight, obviously, but um, she is a really really phenomenal actress. And she plays this character beautifully who has this hard past of the loss of her family and looking for something really it, she, she conveys the sense of, of somebody who's looking for an anchor looking, she doesn't want to drift anymore. She wants to reconnect with these kind of holiday moments and she does a beautiful job with that. And Mackenzie Davis uh, plays her girlfriend but the parents are played by Mary Steenburgen and Victor Garber. Um, Allison Brie is in it. Dan Levy's in it. Aubrey Plaza's in it. So it's a lot of very good, well-known people playing supporting roles, which really gives it the sense of like it's really full of, of talent. And it feels like a very um, well-rendered story. And I really did enjoy it. And it was very mismarketed. When it was first being pushed, it was pushed more like a romantic comedy. And it's not. Don't approach it like a romantic comedy. Just approach it as like that sort of uncomfortable, comfortable film about the holidays. And I think that Home for the Holidays is the best comparison. It's that kind of, this is what we do because this is the holidays. And then through a hard holiday, the bonds of that family become closer. So it's that kind of film. Nice. That sounds like a good movie for this time of season. I'm going to mention two things. One thing super quick. Both of these are very, if you want to take your mind off the world and you just want something light and fun that makes you feel good about yourself a little bit, um, make sure you're watching the Great British Bake Off on Netflix. The most recent season has been coming out week by week and it's all out now. It's done. 
um, just finished watching it this weekend. Watch the finale. That show, <laughs> it just warms your heart and it just makes you feel like a better human yeah. <laughs> after watching it. Because <laughs> you watch these people that are competing against each other, but they come, become very close and they become very good friends with each other and they root each other on, even though they're competing against each other. It's just, it's just so, it's such a, it's such a wonderful show. Um, yeah. There were two, there were two moments that for me, as I was watching the finale, hit me in a moment where I was suddenly like, I'm actually starting to weep over the Great British Baking Show. Yeah. And one was at the end when they normally would have the friends and family of the contestants show up and yes. have a big party in the lawn. They didn't have those people. So they had the crew and the hotel staff of the hotel where everybody had been sequestered together for six weeks. Yes. Yes. And just seeing that group of people as the audience for that moment was very, very moving. Yes. It was really, and the fact that they called them out as that, that they said, thank you to you people. We were able to do the show. This wouldn't have happened if it weren't for you. And it's yep. this group of probably 60 people who put the show together and would normally never have been on camera. And then the other moment was at the very end. I don't know if you stayed through the yes. credits. Yes. They dedicated the season to one of the previous season's contestants who passed away. And he was my age. He was only 48. Yeah. And he apparently died of cancer. And mm. that caught both me and my girlfriend completely by surprise. We were sitting there and suddenly it was just like, wait, he's, he's passed away? How did that how did that happen? And that, I had the same reaction. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was such a, a, such a shocker. And it was like you said, you get a sense of these people. Like you almost feel like you know them. Mm -hmm. It's really a remarkable show. Yeah, definitely watch it. The second thing I want to bring up is also on Netflix. And it's a documentary series called We Are the Champions. Now, I heard of this on the Slash Film podcast. Jeff Canato recommended it. And I started watching it a few days ago. This show is popcorn entertainment. There's there's nothing weighty here at all. But each it's kind of done in the vein of the wild world of sports kind of a thing where it's not just showing you the the big title event that these sports people are doing, these athletes are doing. It's it's gives you some background on the key players like here's one of the people that's favored to win and they give you a little background on them and show you their life and how they got to where they are and they so they give character to each of the people that you're about to witness compete and then they show the competition <laughs> here's what makes the show special though it's all events that are like not just a niche sport but like it's a niche of a niche of a niche and it's like that's a competition right. <laughs> <laughs> and the way the show is done it's very tongue-in-cheek and it it treads this fine line between you know, you could easily become to the, go to the place where it's like, it's just making fun of these people. Right. And just ridiculing them. But it doesn't go there. It does this wonderful dance along this line of highlighting, this stuff is ridiculous. Isn't this crazy stuff? This is insane that people do this. But these people are really like, it highlights, but these people are amazing. Right. It's like, these are amazing people doing ridiculous things and they are the top of the heap when it comes to doing this crazy thing. Right. So it dances this fine line and it's, it's one of the funniest shows I've watched recently. Mm. I've had some good belly laughs. It's narrated by Rain Wilson hmm. from The Office and his 
voice the way he's doing it he's doing it in that announcer voice yeah of like and now they're you know this yo-yo championship is in the mecca of the yo-yo world <laughs> okay it, it's cleveland it's, yeah. it's like it's like these it's this overly bombastic super serious radio voice and then just the juxtaposition of that with this ridiculous thing he's pointing out so it's like it's really genuinely funny and the first episode is about uh in england there's i can't remember the name of the hill but there's this hill where they roll a wheel of cheese down the hill and everybody chases it it's a race yeah whoever gets to the bottom wins i've heard of that before (laughs) yes it is dealing with the champions of this and one of the key people they highlight is this woman who has won it three times and it's like, but she can she do it the fourth time? Will she break the record? And it's like, this is not an official competition. The city's like, we want nothing to do with this. We try to stop them from doing it, but we can't right. stop them. There's it's liability like, issues. Liabilities and all <laughs> yeah. this kind of stuff. And it's like, and they talk about how, like all the training she's done and all the stuff. And then they show these people running down the hill and like they... Her, her, her initial run, they show like one of her winning runs and they show her running down the hill and then they freeze frame it and then do, and he makes some kind of snide comment and then they play it again and she face plants and then goes mm. basically Henry. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is an amazing like one of the episodes is about hot pepper eating eating hot chili peppers right like it's a there's a world competition of people that just eat you know 13 rounds and each round you eat a hotter pepper right. and it's like these people that are trying not to vomit into a bucket <laughs> like, <laughs> dog dancing yo-yo it's like it's something that i've pointed out in previous discussions with other people about documentaries you can make anything compelling if a documentary is well done and the way you do that is focus on the passion of the person yes you don't have to connect to what they're passionate about but you can connect on a very visceral level, you can very easily connect with somebody's passion if their passion is just demonstrated. And so, you know, a guy who's good at balancing things on his head for 24 hours a day sounds ridiculous. But if you understand how committed he is to that, his commitment and his drive and his desire to do that thing better than anybody else in the world, that suddenly is something that you can latch onto and be like, I can support him in that and I can understand it. So that sounds like what that series, is it a series or is it a movie? You really hit the nail on the head where this show is making it about the people and not the thing that they're doing. So you actually kind of care about some of these people and they, you generally want to see them succeed at what they're doing because they're so passionate about it. And it's not that you're passionate about it, but you've made that connection to them as a, as a person. Yeah. And it does a wonderful job with that. And then it dances that fine line of humor because the stuff they're doing is ridiculous. It's like, how is this? How is this a sport? Like the yo-yo one I just watched, it's like, I can't believe there's a world championship for yo-yoing. But then you watch what they do and you're like, how are they doing that? Because they're doing stuff so fast and crazy maneuvers with these yo-yos. Mm-hmm. You can't help but be impressed. And then you hear the backstories of these people that are doing it. And it's like, this girl is the first woman to compete in this world championship against the men. And she actually mm. has a shot at doing it. And so you start to really root for her of like, right. she's come from Mexico. She's competing in, the, in Cleveland in this event. And it's like, you really are rooting for her to do well. And so it's like, that's what the show does so well, even right. though it's making fun of 
<laughs> the, the fact that there's this yo-yo competition in Cleveland <laughs> right. that most people don't know happens. And it's a room full of these nerdy, nerdy kids and yeah. teenagers and 20 somethings. So it's like, it's really, it's funny. It's heartwarming. It's light popcorn entertainment. It's a great way to take your mind off the distractions of the world right now. If you have Netflix, I would just recommend checking it out. You might, you might have a really good time watching it. The reasons that you've just given for watching it are the reasons why whenever I stumble across a Rubik's Cube competition video, I watch them. So I'm curious about anything that our listeners have been watching. As usual, please share those with us. But I'm also very curious if any of our listeners have any of their own smart tech holiday suggestions. We talked about that at the beginning of this episode, but if anybody thinks there's an item out there which is a even better gift idea than what Matthew has suggested, please let us know. As usual, you can find our contact information in the show notes. Please do subscribe to the show. You can find us anywhere podcasts are found. You know where I'm talking about. Don't make me list them. <laughs> please be sure to give us a rating or a view and share us with your friends. It really does help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew says torque. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Hi. <laughs> <laughs>